Good afternoon. Welcome to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thanks for listening. I try to educate, elucidate, and entertain when I can. Business Buzz tries to give you some business news. I like to talk about income taxes a lot because I I do those for a living. This is sort of just a freewheeling hour of information that I'm interested in. Hopefully you are too. We've passed over the summer. We're now officially in the fall, but the weather's still very nice. So that's one of the reasons why Chico's such a nice place to live. It has overall very good weather. And the fall and the spring are super nice between super hot summers and pretty cold winters, but they're not that bad. So I do have one item of local news that is interesting. And honestly, I haven't really read this whole article yet. I heard about this and I looked it up for Business Buzz today. And I'm trying to see if I can find find a reason. But the Tin Roof Bakery, Tin Roof Cafe and Bakery announces closure after 20 years in Chico. Closing its operations on October 22nd. Well, that's a bummer. I'm going to see if I can find out the why. That sounds like the when, that sounds like the who when we know the who, the when, and the where. They're down on uh, Broadway. So we know the who, when, and the where. I'm, I'm looking for the why. And uh, I'm honestly not thrilled. I'm honestly not thrilled about this Chico ER website. There's too many pop-ups. I mean, I subscribe. Like I say, it's the only it's the only newspaper I pay to read because it's the local paper for me. But they have a few too many pop-ups. Of course, I guess I don't blame them. I don't blame them for having pop-ups. Yeah. Honestly, I can't even get to this article because the pop-up that comes up when I hit the little X, it takes me back to the previous page. So, yeah, I'm not thrilled about the ER's website, to be honest. But if I have time and if I'm on a desktop with it, I can handle it. But here on my uh, on my tablet, it, it hardly even works, to be honest. But then again... When you're charging like $6 for six months of newspaper subscription, I'm not sure how they can even afford to pay for website maintenance, but I'm not sure what their business model looks like right now. I do know that the Enterprise Record building is busy, and somebody told me it's because they do print local papers for all kinds of local small papers in the area. So the printing presses at the ER are busy. But I'm not sure how busy the office is anymore without where Craigslist took over the classifieds and that kind of thing. We all know the story. That's uh, been about 
almost 30 years since the internet started destroying businesses. So local newspapers are just another one of those. I'm guessing that the tin roof just isn't profitable with the higher costs. Labor costs are so high. We have a we have a pretty healthy minimum wage here in California. I'm not going to pick sides on that whole issue. There's good things about minimum wages being high, and there's some bad things about it also. Uh, you won't catch me picking one side or the other there. I think there's pros and cons on both sides. So I got a few things to discuss today. Uh, as far as tax law, one good news for local taxpayers. The state finally approved and the governor signed the, I believe it's AB 1249. It was signed, I believe, on June 30th. I'm sorry, September 30th. That is the one that makes the fire settlement money non-taxable for your California tax return. The news on that is that anyone who already filed their 2021 and had fire settlement income that they had to pay some tax on, you can now amend your California return and get a refund for the amount of tax that was caused by the settlement money you had to list. I kind of expected them to do that, but I can't believe how long it took. So they ended up waiting until two weeks before the extension deadline. A lot of people have already filed. Just makes a little more work doing it amended. But if you did hold off waiting for that, you can now... File your 2021s uh, not listed on California, and you're still on time. That works out pretty well if you haven't filed yet. Again, the people who file early, a lot of times there's, turns out there's some weird changes that make it like, well, I wish I hadn't filed so soon. I would say the only reason to file early There's two types of people that should file definitely by April. Uh, If you owe tax and you know how much you owe, go ahead and pay it by April and you might as well file it by April unless you think you're going to be able to do some extra work in the summer to change it for some reason. But if you know it's right and you owe tax, you want to file and pay by April 15. That way you don't pay any penalties or interest. The other people who should file as early as possible, and this one's sort of a, you know, sort of a drag that we even have to deal with this, but it happens a lot. If you are enti- if you're entitled to claim a dependent child on your tax return, but you have something like an ex-spouse or an ex-boyfriend who also wants to claim that child but shouldn't with e-filing whoever files first gets in first if you file second and the child you're entitled to claim got listed on someone else's return prior to your e-filing the e-file will get rejected 
and you'll have to file yours on paper, which takes forever these days. The IRS is so far behind. Point is, those are two cases where filing early does pay off. Also, I had a client today who had had uh, their wallet stolen and their Social Security card was in there. So they were worried about if there's any tax effects of their Social Security card and name and address being stolen. And I just pointed out that, well, next year maybe be a good idea to file a little earlier. What the crooks do is the crooks who steal Social Security number databases, like the big hack they had from Blue Shield or Anthem a few years back, the crooks, and I think they're mostly in foreign countries. I'm not sure where they're doing it from. The IRS will never tell you. The crooks like to file early, so they're probably filing on the first day or two of e-filing when they have a crooked return they're trying to get a crooked refund for. So they probably file the first day or two. So by the time you file in mid-February, it's probably too late if somebody else has already filed using your number. And all it means is you have to file on paper. It's not that big of a deal, but it is a delay. And the IRS being so far behind these days, paper returns just sit sit for a long time on the IRS desks. And I won't place any blame, but that COVID thing really messed everybody up. And it made them work from home, and that was a big mess. But we all, we all know about that. We all lived through 2020. Should have been a good year. I mean, it's a pretty cool number, 2020. It's like 2020 vision. Too bad someone had to mess the whole year up. Somebody. Someone. Probably more than one person. Probably a a group. A conspiracy. A cabal. Something like that. Well, the local news of Tin Roof, that's kind of sad. They have really good bread, and they used to be at all the farmer's markets with a little booth of their own. I haven't seen them there lately, but maybe I don't go to the Saturday one. I usually see the Thursday one. So maybe they've been going to the Saturday farmer's market, but I haven't seen them at the Thursday one for quite a long time. So what other business news can I bring you? Well, I updated you on the tax law, which is these people that have these large dollar amounts, if they're taxable from the fire settlements, that's going to save a lot of money. So if you've got $100,000 of taxable fire settlement money and you're in the 9.3% bracket, this new law just saved you $9,300. If you're in that bracket, that's a good deal. So I'm, I'm happy for the fact that they finally did that. I'm, I really wish the federal could have figured something out like that, but the federal thinks they're the boss because they are, and they don't care what the states do. In fact, every time I've ever been involved with an IRS case or a person, they absolutely look with disdain on a state 
issue. If you mention something about the state tax law or the state tax, they're just not even interested. They're so far, they're so superior to the state. That's just the feeling I get when that subject comes up uh, with someone at the IRS. They just don't care. And, you know, there's not a lot of reason to care. State tax paid used to be a big, large deduction for people. The new law as of 2018 put a cap. They call it the SALT, state and local taxes, the SALT deduction. The 2018 law put a cap on that of $10,000. So now the wealthy guys who pay $50,000 a year in state income tax, they're only deducting up to ten, and that includes their property tax. And these days, if someone bought a home in California worth $900,000, their property tax alone is $10,000 a year, which means they're not even going to be getting any tax help from all the state income tax they pay. And that's that SALT deduction. And some of the uh, the states with the highest tax rates complained about that. I believe they even took it to the Supreme Court, acting like they had been, you know, treated unfairly because their their citizens are essentially getting a federal tax hike from the SALT deduction being limited. And technically, I think they're correct. I believe the Supreme Court said, yeah, you're right, but we're not going to do anything about it, I believe. I'm not sure how they put it. I don't think they can deny that that discriminates, but I'm not sure there's a legal precedent to try to make an income tax law unconstitutional. That's sort of a oxymoron, or no, that's a redundancy. When you say an unconstitutional income tax, that would be a redundant statement, sort of like an airbag in Howard Cosell's car. Anyone old enough to remember Howard Cosell probably gets that one. But with what I told you a few weeks ago on Business Buzz about the law that never was, we probably did not have a correctly passed 16th Amendment that authorized the income tax law in 1913. Thanks for listening to Business Buzz. Stay tuned. I will be right back after this break. Here's Rick Box, founder of Unconventional Business Network, with today's Integrity Moment. Today, our workplaces are negatively impacted and overrun with young adults who are experiencing mental health challenges. According to the Centers for Disease Control, the average share of adults who reported symptoms of anxiety and depressive disorders in the U.S. jumped from 11% in 2019 to 41.1% in 2021. The problem is vast. In Ezekiel 34.2, God speaks to Israel's leaders when he says, Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Small businesses are limited in their ability to help, but to be a caring shepherd, business leaders do need to try. Directing associates to speak with their pastor, hiring a chaplain service, or being more attentive are all ways you can be a better shepherd. To learn more about Unconventional Business Network and doing business God's way, visit unconventionalbusiness.com. 
unconventionalbusiness.org. That's unconventionalbusiness.org. Wednesday on Truth For Life, Alistair Begg gets to the heart of the matter. It is incumbent upon me to say to you loved ones, do you believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead? Do you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Converted or unconverted? Discover the difference Wednesday on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I want to thank you again for taking part of your busy day and listening to Business Buzz. I try to keep you posted on some tax and some business things. A couple weeks ago, I had a candidate for state assembly on my show. It was sort of last minute, but it was very interesting. His name was Zinc. I'm in the process of asking his opponent if they would like some equal airtime. And I know the election isn't until November. I got my ballot information the other day, and they said they're going to send the ballots in October. That's interesting. We used to go to the polls, and that was always kind of fun, but we don't even get to go to the polls anymore. Now it's all by mail. Hmm. Funny how that works out. No comment. Well, I might have a comment later. It depends what my printouts tell me. So I'm trying to get you some interesting news. Remember, Business Buzz always wants to give you the alternative viewpoint 90% of the time because you don't hear it anywhere else around here anyway, unless you know where to go on the Internet. I have given you many times, I've given you a list of people to read on the Internet if you're interested The one I'm listening to now was an interview from about a month ago. At the be- it, was at, it was at the beginning of September. And it's an hour and a half long interview, but it's fascinating. And the way to find this interview, if you're interested in listening to it, I think it's very well worth it, is the website to go to is Golden hyphen jackass.com so it's the word golden then a hyphen then the word jackass.com and you go to the section of that web page that says free public domain and then you go to the interviews list and he's got his 2022 interviews in a list and the latest two are in September And I'm listening to the one from September 3rd, I think it is. It's about an hour and a half long, but it's fascinating. He's the the best guy I know to listen to an interview once a month from. You'll learn so much. I learn a lot. I learn a lot every time I do it. So here's an article I had printed out for a prior Business Buzz show, and I just didn't have time to get to it, so I brought it today. 
And I just thought it was kind of interesting because I've been watching some history channel and there's a show called The Cars That Built America. And they talk about Ford and General Motors and Chrysler and Lee Iacocca and DeLorean and all these car designers. And it's a really interesting series. But what I always found fascinating was Henry Ford himself was a little bit of a different bird. He didn't seem to fit in to the slot of the usual industrial tycoon of the late 19th, early 20th century. He just, from what I've read, he didn't really fit that mold. Uh, He came out with some quotes. I don't have it in front of me, but it was something to the effect of, if the public knew what the bankers are doing, there would be a revolution tomorrow morning. Things like that that he said, most tycoons would not have said that because the tycoons are, of course, in bed with the bankers, and some of them are the bankers. So that always struck me that Henry Ford was a little bit of a different breed as far as multi-multi-millionaires. Back then, I'm not sure there was any billionaires because dollars were worth so much more. But if you had like $10 million back then, that would be the equivalent of like a billionaire. In, I believe, because that would be 100 to 1. Or you could have 110 millions to make a billion. I believe a 10 million guy back then would be technically the same as a billionaire today. And there aren't, there aren't that many of them. I believe there's two or 3,000 of them. I just heard that there was a list that comes out on Forbes. I heard Donald Trump is number 350 on the billionaire list. So there's 300 ahead of him. And I believe before he became president, he was worth $4 billion, And now he's worth less. Uh, it's interesting because most politicians, they get rich during their political career. But in his case, I believe he went, he went negative. But I'm not sure. So don't quote me. As usual, don't quote me. So this article has to do with Henry Ford in a roundabout way. And the title, the reason it's caught my attention was Ford Foundation has spent over $100 million in support of mass migration. Says the Ford Foundation has poured over $100 million into a variety of organizations that advocate for mass immigration, amnesty, and a weaker border. The foundation has provided immense financial backing for what it calls a well-coordinated, innovative, and fearless immigrant rights movement. They boast that... I'm getting this new habit where I print paper on both sides, and I don't like it, but I'm doing it because I'm tired of wasting paper. They boast that, quote, this movement has secured policies that limit local law enforcement collaboration with federal immigration authorities in more than 600 cities and counties. The Ford Foundation partners with regional, state, and local advocacy groups to oppose, quote, the use of criminal justice measures for immigration purposes. Now, does that make any sense? Is A violation of immigration law, a criminal issue. 
Anyway, I'm asking you that question. I'm not, I'm not answering it. I'm not an attorney, and I don't play one on television. But to me, that's amazing. What, my thought on this was that uh, it says, though the Ford Foundation was started by Henry Ford and his son, the foundation has no current connection with the Ford Automobile Company. I thought that was very interesting because I think Henry Ford probably would be spinning in his grave if he heard about things like that. And I'm not saying he's some great, perfect guy. I'm just saying that it's amazing that his legacy would turn into spending on things like that. Amazing. I mean, all I'm saying is, you know, the law is the law. I have to follow it. Why doesn't everybody else? So one other topic I wanted to bring up because I brought a, this is the business of, the business of books, book business, authorship. That's the connection to business buzz, the business of books. So I've brought up before that one of the ways, one of the ways people get rewarded for their actions without it showing up as a direct reward for their actions when their actions might not be proper. I've brought up before that one of the ways they get awarded for their actions is called a book deal. So I brought an article and after this next break, I will get back to this article. But what it happened, what it, what I'm trying to point out is that book deals are not always what they seem to be, and they don't always seem to be good financial decisions by the book company, unless there's a hidden motive for the quote book deal. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. I wish I could get a book deal like this, and I'll be right back. Hello, this is Samantha Landy, and I bring you Psalms of Hope. Heard here on Life Radio every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon. So do tune in and join me for beautiful music and an encouraging word from the Lord. Psalms of Hope with Samantha Landy, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at noon, here on KKXX. What does trusting in God really look like? Here's David Hawking. Don't trust political alliances with Assyria or Egypt or anyone else. Don't trust your military power. Trust in the Lord. It's in God we trust. That was the message. More about true trust in the Lord this week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. Empowering people out of poverty helping kids and communities to shine. There's nothing quite like it. 
At World Vision, we've seen what happens when a child gets clean water or nutritious food, when she feels safe, gets to learn in a classroom, or discovers that she has infinite worth. Together, we're working to help every kid everywhere grow into who God created them to be. Reach out with us today and help people change their own lives for good. Learn more at worldvision.org. Hi, this is Rick McConnell with a Disciple Tip. Nobody has to tell you when you need more gas in your car. You look at the gauge, and if it's low, you put some gas back in. But what about your spirit? It works pretty much the same way. Your spiritual tank can get empty, and when it's low, you need a spiritual fill-up. But you don't have a gauge on your spirit to see how low you're getting. But there are some signs like depression, irritability, and a sense that God is far away. See Galatians chapter 5 for more signs of an empty tank and the secret of getting your spiritual tank full again. A message from Life Radio, KKXX, AM and FM. When we suffer, sometimes we're prone to wonder how we contributed to our condition. We think, maybe my trials are connected to something I did wrong. So here's the question, does our sin lead to suffering? Hear Chuck Swindoll provide a biblical answer, Tuesday on Insight for Living. Veterans hope. Where are you hiding? I search for you in the seconds, the minutes of each and every day. Hear me as I call out to you. Welcome me home. Alone we stood, divided we fell, no longer. Now we choose to make the connection. Our new mission lies within. Visit maketheconnection.net to learn more. What does trusting in God really look like? Here's David Hawking. Don't trust political alliances with Assyria or Egypt or anyone else. Don't trust your military power. Trust in the Lord. It's in God we trust. That was the message. More about true trust in the Lord this week on Hope for Today. Tune in for Hope for Today weekdays at 8 a.m. here on KKXX. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge. Defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Davis. Pacific Justice Institute helped defeat an extreme California bill that would have allowed minors to receive potentially unsafe vaccinations without parental consent or knowledge. In a formal opposition letter by PJI Center for Public Policy, PJI pointed to the unconstitutional nature of the bill, SB 866, as it undermined parents' rights. Folks, this extreme anti-parent legislation is precisely why PJI created its Center for Public Policy 12 years ago. Stay updated by signing up for our weekly newsletter. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA, hoping you're having a nice Chico afternoon here in the fall of 2022. It's a beautiful day. Drive carefully. This time of day, a lot of students are getting picked up at school, and it's always important to drive very carefully around the school zone. Before the break, I was mentioning that I wish I could get a book deal, but I've never done anything wrong. Well, I mean, legally wrong. (laughs) 
I've never done anything legally wrong. Why would they offer me a book deal? And I know you think that's a weird thing to say, Harold. Why would you say that, Harold? Well, I'll tell you why. One of the backdoor ways people earn payoffs from things they've done is through book deals. And they're not always economically feasible or smart for the book company, but who knows who's really funding all these things. So the article I brought is from, it's actually back in May of 22. So this isn't, this isn't new. It's a few months back, but it's apropos. And the title of the, uh, I got this from a place called Survive the News. And the title of this article is Jill Biden Biography, a Total Flop, Sells 250 Copies in First Week. Oh, and these, this place called Survive the News, it's got, a, it's got a badge of honor on the front page of their website where I printed this page from. It says, we've been banned from, and it lists Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Medium, WordPress, Google, Gmail, Blogspot, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, PayPal, SoundCloud. That's my kind of, this is my kind of website. All the guys I like got banned from from, uh, YouTube. Every last one of them. So now I have to listen to them on other places like Rumble and some of them on their own websites. So I'm just going to read a little bit of this article. Jill Biden's biography was a total flop and only sold 250 copies in its first week on the market. According to far-left Politico, the dulling of the Biden White House isn't due to lack of talent in the press briefing room, but rather due to fulfillment of a central Biden promise to beat Trump and make D.C. news boring again. And because D.C. is boring, sales of Dr. Jill's biography, Jill, a biography of the First Lady, have been a little slow. It has nothing to do with the fact that Jill Biden is tacky, uninspiring, cheated on her first husband with Joe Biden, and now abuses Biden, an elderly man who is clearly suffering from dementia. Anyway, I won't get into the article. I actually didn't know it was going to be talking like that. But my point is, who the heck gave her, and who knows how much she got for her book, who the heck would give someone, I'm sure it was a large sum of money, who would give someone a large sum of money when it sold 250 books in the first week? I guarantee the first week would be the highest, and it would go downhill from there because, of course, all your, if you had a book coming out, all of your friends would buy one that week. But, you know, three, four, five weeks later, who's buying it? So my point is book deals are backdoor money laundering. And uh, I'm not sure this one is. I'm not going to accuse somebody of something I don't know the details of. But in general, when you hear about an ex-president, oh, and the other one, along with book deals, the other one is speaking fees. When an ex-president leaves office, and gets paid a million dollars to speak at an event a month later. Uh, that's another backdoor money launder, uh, book deals and speaking fees. That's mainly uh, what those are. 
It's a way to pay somebody off without it seeming like it's a payoff. That's uh, that's kind of the, the quick explanation of that. And I'm not saying it's in every case. I'm just saying it's likely to be in many cases. It just makes sense. It's so easy to do. And for 50 years, nobody's even worried about it. And until the Internet came out, nobody even really knew about it. That's the thing I like. That's the main thing I like about the Internet. It's just, you know, you can actually read things that aren't being spoon-fed. They're actually real investigators doing real journalism. You just got to find where they are because they're not at the New York Times and they're not at the Washington Post and they're not at the Huffington Post. Uh, You won't find them in the mainstream. But they are out there, and all you got to do is listen to Business Buzz, and I'll tell you where they're at. So that's the business of book deals and speaking fees. Here's another headline I thought I'd bring up. Since uh, one of my main beefs about our modern-day government world is the way we spend money like there's no tomorrow, and it's printed money that's not not backed by anything. Remember, it's been over 50 years since President Nixon removed the gold from the dollar. So we're on borrowed time. I've told you before, the average currency in the history of the world lasts 29 years. Our currency since the gold was taken away from it has now lasted 51 years. So we are on borrowed time. That's not a good thing. So whenever I see anything about money being printed again, I, I, it, it perks me up and I look at it. So this one is from a place called Town Hall, and the title is Lawmakers Eagled, Eager to Send Billions More to Ukraine as U.S. Soldiers Advised to Go on Food Stamps. So I won't go into detail. You can look that one up if you want. That's pretty amazing. But anytime I see something about U.S. soldiers needing to go on food stamps, I mean, of all the people who should be treated well, it would be the soldiers and the veterans. Uh, I'm, I'm not a veteran, but if anybody needs help from our government, it would be a down-and-out veteran or a current soldier. They should get all the help they need. But this money just gets printed and sent who knows where. And, uh, oh, the other, I just mentioned book deals and speaking fees as money laundering items. The biggest money laundering item in the history of our government, and it's been going on for years and years and decades, is foreign aid. Foreign aid goes out and who knows where it ends up. If you know what I mean. So has anyone heard about the UK almost falling apart last Wednesday? The UK bond market blew up on Wednesday, September 28th, and they had to come in and try to fix it. Uh, I'm not a 
I'm not an expert on this, but I read what I can. And the bottom line is, it's kind of like in 08 when we started having to buy up everything with our fake financial markets. They had to do that just last week in the UK. And they did what's called the pivot. I'll explain that after the break. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Stay tuned to Business Buzz. I'll be right back. From the Pacific Justice Institute, this is The Legal Edge. Defending your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. Here's Brad Davis. Pacific Justice Institute helped defeat an extreme California bill that would have allowed minors to receive potentially unsafe vaccinations without parental consent or knowledge. In a formal opposition letter by PJI Center for Public Policy, PJI pointed to the unconstitutional nature of the bill, SB 866, as it undermined parents' rights. Folks, this extreme anti-parent legislation is precisely why PJI created its Center for Public Policy 12 years ago. Stay updated by signing up for our weekly newsletter, The Legal Insider, at pji.org. PJI provides legal representation without charge. Get exclusive email updates by registering for The Legal Insider at pji.org. I wasn't prepared to be a caregiver to mom. I had no idea how hard it would be and what I would need to know. Things I never thought of, like how to improve her mood and ways for me to stay positive. Luckily, I found the Caregiving Resource Center from AARP. It had articles about the basics, but also information about the hurdles I was facing. Caregiving Resource Center at aarp.org caregiving. Articles, tips, and tools to help you both care for your loved one and care for yourself. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Business Buzz. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Another nice Chico fall afternoon. I can't get over how nice the weather is here certain times of year. I am glad the triple-digit heat and the 110 is not probably coming back, even though I do remember some Octobers that probably do get some triple digits now and then, but hopefully we won't be in for too much heat. Hopefully we'll get some more rain. Uh, the old drought is not a not a good thing. So I was just talking, I wanted to finish up a little bit about Great Britain. So in general, the central banks, Europe and uh, America especially, I believe Australia is sort of doing it, they're trying to raise interest rates because they've been at, interest rates have been around zero for about 14 years since the great financial crisis where we sent 12 trillion or I think it might have been closer to 20 trillion dollars to European banks in secret and it took about I think it took about 8 years for the Federal Reserve to be forced to come out and say where the money went uh, unbelievable I, I I won't go into it I've talked about it before unbelievable but, so central banks are raising rates, causing, you know, stock market to have trouble, causing bond markets to have big trouble. Uh, 
And what happened in the UK is the rates started rising and the pension funds, which invest heavily in bonds. Remember, when interest rates go up, the value of your bonds go down. Uh, If you buy a bond paying 2% and a year later, the same bond issued now is paying 4%, nobody's going to buy yours at face value because yours is only earning 2%. So they're going to buy it at a discount from you if you want to sell it, but they're going to buy it for the same or less than what they could buy the 4% bond for now, which is what you paid for your 2%. Uh, It's not that complicated. It's just a little bit weird. Bottom line is when interest rates go up, bond values go down. That's the problem with a lot of times if the stock market goes down, the bond Prices go up and the yields are going down. And so people with their 401k with half bonds and half stocks, they don't notice it going down because as one goes down, the other goes up. And a lot of times that does happen. The problem is nowadays we have bonds and stocks going down at the same time. So if you notice the 401k balances are going down, down, down because there's nothing in there that's going up. Generally, if you're in, you know, half stocks, half bonds, whatever. Here's the problem. Over in the UK last week, the interest rates shot up and the pension funds basically went bankrupt because they're so heavily into these bonds and the value's gone down so far, they're broke. So to make a long story short, the UK Bank of England had to what they call pivot. They were raising rates. All of a sudden, they had to come in and say we're lowering rates. And they're buying. And the way they lower rates is they buy the bonds. In other words, our Federal Reserve buys its own buys the U.S. Treasury bonds because nobody else wants them, and that's what keeps the rates lower. If the free market took over on these U.S. Treasury bonds that are paying, I think, around 3.5% on a 10-year bond. If the, fair mar- if the free market was allowed to take over, they'd probably shoot up to 9 10 11 12%, which would kill the entire economy and bankrupt all the pension funds. That's the problem everybody's in right now. So they're, they're still trying to micromanage all this by buying things, but it's, it's fake markets. It's not real markets. We're in a heap of trouble. I don't know when the rug's going to get pulled out from under everything, but things are not good. I also heard that Jim Willie man I told you about at goldenjackass.com, he was saying that he's convinced that the big banks are all bankrupt already, and there may be some local banks that aren't, but most of the big banks are, and uh, they're just exposed to so many wacko investments called derivatives I saw a thing where J.P. Morgan has assets of something like, uh, I don't know, $20 billion, $50 billion. But their derivatives exposure, which is potential losses, is something like $57 trillion. So if one thing goes the wrong way, and the main derivatives are based on interest rates. So when interest rates start going the wrong way, it's like, Look out below for anybody holding derivatives based on interest rates. They go wildly one direction or another. 
And if the other party can't pay you back, you have no investment. And that's probably what's going on right now behind the scenes. I got so many things to talk about, but since this is the end of Business Buzz and I only have a few minutes left, I'm going to go back to my some of my favorite reading instead of the news reading that I've been doing. And I'm going to read from, if you don't like it, I'll say goodbye to you now. I'm going to read from A Course in Miracles, my favorite book, chapter 18, part 9. It's called The Two Worlds. Let's dig into it. You have been told to bring the darkness to the light and guilt to holiness. And you have also been told that error must be corrected at its source. Therefore, it is the tiny part of yourself, the little thought that seems split off and separate, the Holy Spirit needs. The rest is fully in God's keeping and needs no guide. Yet this wild and delusional thought needs help because in its delusions, it thinks it is the Son of God, whole and omnipotent, sole ruler of the kingdom it set apart to tyrannize by madness into obedience and slavery. This is the little part you think you stole from heaven. Give it back to heaven. Heaven has not lost it, but you have lost sight of heaven. Let the Holy Spirit remove it from the withered kingdom in which you set it off, surrounded by darkness, guarded by attack, and reinforced by hate. Within its barricades is still a tiny segment of the Son of God, complete and holy, serene, and unaware of what you think surrounds it. I'm just going to stop there and say this little part, the withered kingdom in which you set it off, that's just talking about the earth and the world. Okay. Be you not separate, for the one who does surround it has brought union to you, returning your little offering of darkness to the eternal light. How is this done? It is extremely simple, being based on what this little kingdom really is. The barren sands, the darkness, and the lifelessness are seen only through the body's eyes. Its bleak sight is distorted, and the messages it transmits to you who made it to limit your awareness are little and limited, and so fragmented they are meaningless. From the world of bodies made by insanity, insane messages seem to be returned to the mind that made it, and these messages bear witness to this world, pronouncing it as true. For you sent forth these messengers to bring this back to you. Everything these messengers relay to you is quite external. There are no messages that speak of what lies underneath, for it is not the body that could speak of this. Its eyes perceive it not, its senses remain quite unaware of it. It's that double-sided paper again. Its tongue cannot relay its messages, yet God can bring you there if you are willing to follow the Holy Spirit through seeming terror, trusting him not to abandon you and leave you there. For it is not his purpose to frighten you, but only yours. You are severely tempted to abandon him at the outside ring of fear, but he would lead you safely through and far beyond. 
The circle of fear lies just below the level the body sees and seems to be the whole foundation on which the world is based. Here are all the illusions, all the twisted thoughts, all the insane attacks, the fury, the vengeance and betrayal that were made to keep the guilt in place so that the world could rise from it and keep it hidden. Its shadow rises to the surface enough to hold its most external manifestations in darkness and to bring despair and loneliness to it and keep it joyless. Yet its intensity is veiled by its heavy coverings and kept apart from what was made to keep it hidden. The body cannot see this, for the body arose from this for its protection, which depends on keeping it not seen. The body's eyes will never look on it, yet they will see what it dictates. The body will remain guilt's messenger and will act as it directs, as long as you believe that guilt is real. For the reality of guilt is the illusion that seems to make it heavy and opaque, impenetrable, and a real foundation for the ego's thought system. Its thinness and transparency are not apparent until you see the light behind it, and then you see it is a fragile veil before the light. This heavy-seeming barrier, this artificial floor that looks like rock, is like a bank of low, dark clouds that seem to be a solid wall before the sun. Its impenetrable appearance is wholly an illusion. It gives way softly to the mountaintops that rise above it, and has no power at all to hold back anyone willing to climb above it and see the sun. It is not strong enough to stop a button's fall nor hold a feather. Nothing can rest upon it, for it is but an illusion of a foundation. Try but to touch it, and it disappears. Attempt to grasp it, and your hands hold nothing. Yet, in this cloud bank, it is easy to see a whole world rising, a solid mountain range, a lake, a city, all rise in your imagination, and from the clouds of messengers of your perception return to you, assuring you that it is there. Figures stand out and move about, actions seem real, and forms appear and shift from loveliness to the grotesque. And back and forth they go, as long as you would play the game of children's make-believe. Yet however long you play it, and regardless of how much imagination you bring to it, you do not confuse it with the world below, nor seek to make it real. So should it be with the dark clouds of guilt, no more impenetrable and no more substantial. You will not bruise yourself against them in traveling through. Let your guide teach you their unsubstantial nature as he leads you past them, for beneath them is a world of light whereon they cast no shadows. Their shadows lie upon the world beyond them, still further from the light. Yet from them to the light their shadows cannot fall. This world of light, this circle of brightness, is the real world where guilt meets with forgiveness. Here the world outside is seen anew without the shadow of guilt upon it. Here are you forgiven, for here you have forgiven anyone. Here is the new perception where everything is bright and shining with innocence washed in the waters of forgiveness, and cleansed of every evil thought you laid upon it. Here there is no attack upon the Son of God, and you are welcome. Here is your innocence waiting to clothe you and protect you and make you ready for the final step in the journey inward. Here are the dark and heavy garments of guilt laid by and gently replaced by purity and love. Yet even forgiveness is not the end. Forgiveness does does make lovely, but it does not create. It is the source of healing, but it is the messenger of love and not its source.
Well, that's not the entire chapter of the two worlds, but I do enjoy reading that one. I thought I'd share that with you. Makes everything seem a little different when you start thinking that way, and that's what I like so much about the course. That's what they call it, the course. I'm Harold Littlejohn, CPA. Thank you for spending part of your busy day with me on Business Buzz. Please tune in every Tuesday at 3 p.m. I'll be back with you next time.